Section 26 of the Exposition of the Apostles' Creed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Fascio. Exposition of the Apostles' Creed by James Dodds. Article 11. The Resurrection of the Body. Animism, the doctrine of the continuous existence, after death, of the disembodied human spirit, has a place in the majority of religious systems. But belief in the resurrection of the body is almost peculiar to the Christian faith. In Old Testament times, the hope of immortality for body and soul seldom found expression. Job seems to have had at least a glimpse of the doctrine, although his words in the original do not express it so strongly as those of the English version. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. In the Psalms there are various intimations that faithful servants of God looked for a future life in which the body as well as the spirit should find place. Isaiah prophesied, Thy dead men shall live, my dead body shall arise, awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Daniel, still more emphatically, declares, Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. The story in the second book of Maccabees, of the seven martyr brothers, who would not accept life from the tyrant on condition of denying their God, proves that they were strengthened to endure by the sure hope of a better resurrection. One of them thus confessed his faith. Thou, like a fury, takest us out of this present life, but the king of the world shall raise us up, who have died for his laws unto everlasting life. Another of the brothers, about to have his tongue plucked out and his hands cut off, holding forth his hands manfully, said courageously, These I had from heaven, and from him I hope to receive them again. Their mother, who is thought to have been one of the saints that in the epistle to the Hebrews are said to have been tortured, not accepting deliverance, encouraged her sons to be faithful unto death by telling them that God, who had given them life at the first, would restore it. I am sure, she said, that he will of his own mercy give you breath and life again, as ye now regard not your own selves for his law's sake. The Pharisees, in the days of our Lord held by the doctrine, which the Sadducees, who rejected belief in angels and spirits, denied. The belief expressed by Martha when she said of her brother Lazarus, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day, was in all likelihood current in her time. It may have been to impress the truth of resurrection life for the body that Enoch, before the flood, and Elijah, in later Old Testament times, were translated. But it is in the New Testament, in words spoken by the Lord Jesus, that resurrection is fully revealed. Marvel not at this, said he to the Jews, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear the voice of the Son of Man, and shall come forth. They that have done good, unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation. In reply to the Sadducees, who attempted to ridicule his statements regarding resurrection, he said, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. 
and he put them to silence by showing that the truth of resurrection was implied in the name by which God revealed himself to Israel. I am the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob. He showed his power over the dead body, and furnished assurance of resurrection by raising the dead. He thus restored the daughter of Jairus, and the son of the widow of Nain, and raised Lazarus from the tomb four days after he had died. In his own resurrection we have the most signal pledge of our bodily immortality. When he arose triumphant from the grave, and showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, he manifested his power as the conqueror of death. It is clearly taught in Scripture that there is to be a general resurrection of the righteous and the wicked. In addition to texts already quoted, we find John declaring, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and the hell delivered up to the dead which were in them. And Paul writes to the Thessalonians, We that are alive, that are left unto the coming of the Lord, shall in no wise precede them that are fallen asleep, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The resurrection is associated with the second coming of Christ. It is his voice that shall awake the dead, and the angels who will accompany him are to gather them from the four winds of heaven to the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. In resurrection, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost take part. God the Father, who both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. God the Son, as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. God the Holy Ghost, who, as the giver of life, by his special action will raise our bodies. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. The Lord Jesus Christ is the meritorious cause of resurrection. By man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. His resurrection is the pledge and the pattern of ours. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Christianity teaches that the body as well as the soul is redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the body. We are called to glorify God in our bodies, which are temples of the Holy Ghost, and we must give account for the deeds done in and through the body, as well as for those sins which are rather of the mind and will than of the body. The body will be raised and will be judged. God will bring to light all hidden things, actions forgotten by ourselves, deeds of which the world knows nothing, as well as those which memory retains and the world knows of. Before that great and notable day, our bodies, as well as our souls, must have been purged, else we shall never see God. The bodies of the unjust will rise, but theirs will be resurrection to shame and everlasting contempt. It is fitting that the reward or punishment should be the portion of the same souls and bodies that have been faithful or unfaithful. Christ rose in the same body as he had before his death, and so shall we. How this is to be accomplished we cannot tell, but with God all things are possible, 
and faith rests with confidence in his power and his word. We wait for a Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall fasten anew the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory. While the body is the same as that in which the soul tabernacled, it will undergo transformation. Christ will renew the bodily as well as the spiritual nature of his people. Every part of their being will be transformed, and their bodies, like Christ's, will be spiritual bodies. We are to be sanctified wholly, our whole spirit and soul and body preserved blameless unto his coming. In this present life the body builds up a character which it will retain throughout eternity. Every act we do affects it, not for the time only, but forever. The lost soul will assume the polluted body, and while it may shrink in horror from the union, it will find no way of escape. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, and the harvest will abide with him forever. End of section 26